Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week we chat with author and journalist Brett McCracken on how the uncomfortableness of the local church is what we really need to embrace. If you truly want to grow in your faith, choose a church that's going to stretch you a bit, that's going to challenge you, that isn't going to be the perfect fit, where the people that you're around are different from you and kind of frustrate you, where the style of music isn't your ideal. Like All of those things are going to be uncomfortable, but it'll become less about you and more about closer to the heart of what Christianity is. Hey, my name is Isaac, host of In Doubt. Super grateful to have you listening this week as we engage a topic that is always relevant because if you're a Christian, then the local gathered church is always going to be there and that's what we're looking at today. Um, I have the great privilege of chatting with Brett McCracken who is both an author and a journalist in the States. Anyways, just this month, he's released a new book all about the uncomfortableness of the local church, yet how it's super important for us as Christians to embrace and all its awkwardness and frustrations. Just before we head into that conversation, I want to encourage you to rate and review In Doubt on iTunes if you're an iPhone user. Uh, this really helps with getting the word out for our show. So many thanks for those who do that. Well, let's jump into this important conversation on church community. With me today is author and journalist Brett McCracken. Uh, Brett is the author of three books that I can see, um, and the latest one is coming right off the press. Uh, Crossway Books has published his book uh, that he's called Uncomfortable, The Awkward and Essential Challenge of Christian Community. Uh, anyways, it's great to have you on the show today, Brett. Thanks so much, Isaac. It's great to be here. Um, the first question that I'm going to ask you is just simply, who are you? Um, there's probably a lot of people that don't know the name Brett McCracken, especially up here sure. in Canada. So tell us a little bit about who you are, maybe how you met Jesus, uh, what your yeah. normal day looks like. Yeah, for sure. So I um, grew up uh, in the Midwest of the U.S., so Oklahoma, Kansas, kind of born and raised in the church. So okay. um, been a Christian uh, pretty much uh, as long as I can remember. Um, I think I was you know about five when I Okay. Uh, made the decision um, officially to to follow Jesus, and mm. um, yeah. So, but you know, I grew up in a great family, a great Christian family. My dad was super involved in our church, and okay. all of my my grandparents and relatives. So, looking back, I just feel so fortunate. Um, yeah, for sure. For that, and I think it's such a grace of God that mm-hmm. the sometimes sometimes just the circumstances of where you're born and the people that God gives you in your family and in your life. So, um, yeah, so I, um, I went to Wheaton college, which is a Christian, Christian university in, in, uh, the Chicago area. And, you know, the way that I tell my story of kind of how I got to where I am today is faith has always been a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so has like culture and the arts and movies and, and I, and yet growing up in kind of a conservative, uh, like Baptist upbringing, I often felt those two worlds kind of opposing each other or, mm. or far from one another. Right. And so a big part of my journey has been, um, one of integrating those two and finding ways to think, uh, Christianly about culture and in right. healthy ways and not, not combative or legalistic ways or, um, or in ways that are too undiscerning. Right. Um, so at Wheaton College, I really learned how to do that well. It's okay. it's a great it's a great liberal arts Christian university that really does kind of train you to okay um, 
to think deeply and to think Christianly about things. And also when I was at Wheaton College, I got into writing. I wrote for the student newspaper and I was the arts and, and entertainment editor. Okay, nice. And um, around that time, I got, I got started writing for Relevant Magazine, yep. which is a, a big Christian magazine that was just getting started um, back then when I was an undergrad. Um, and so over the years, I've just journalism and writing has become kind of what I do. I've written film reviews for Christianity Today. Um, I've, you know, written a couple books, as you mentioned. And so God has just given me opportunities and ideas and an audience to be able to do that. And, and so all along the way, I've, I've been like in love with the church, so passionate about the church and really passionate about helping the church mm. under, understand its role, its place in culture Cool. And and that relationship. So I think all of, all three of my books are in some way about that topic. Yeah. Of how do, how do we as a church relate to culture? How do we understand our identity as the church in today's yeah. world? Uh, so that's that's kind of a little bit of my background currently yeah. in terms of like my you asked like what my average day looks yeah, like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so I work. <laughs> I my day job is I work at Biola University in Southern California, which is a, a big. Um, Christian University. Yes, yes. Um, I've worked here for nine years, and um, so I do that. I do writing and marketing and communications here. Okay, yeah. Working closely with the president, Barry Corey, and it's a great job. Um, and then, and uh, but that's coming to an end. Actually, I'm I, I'm in my last week. Oh my goodness! Of work, working at Biola, uh, I, I'm going to work full time for the Gospel Coalition. So yeah, they hired me to be a, an editor for them. And, um, so oh, I've, awesome. I've written, I've written for the gospel coalition quite a bit over the years. And yeah. well, that's, so a great, that's a great opportunity. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited about it. And so that's kind of, um, what I do for work. And then I'm really involved in our church as well, uh, here in Southern California. So I'm an elder at our church and, um, I preach sometimes I lead a, I lead a small group Bible study and my wife and I are just really, really involved with that. So, yeah. Good. Well, that does give us a good little picture uh, of a little bit of who you are. So that's awesome. All right. Well, let's jump into this. Um, you've just written this new book, uh, which I've, I've mentioned already, called Uncomfortable. Um, now, I mean, this is sort of an obvious point, but just to remind everyone, you know, book, a lot of times books are written to address some sort of issue. Uh, and then, you know, the author then argues a, a solution to this issue. Um, so I guess the first question is, what, what is this issue that you see uh, with Christian community or church? Yeah, so I think the I think if I can boil it down, I would say the issue is that we live, especially in the in uh, the Western culture, North America, Europe, we we live with consumerism as kind of the air we breathe, and it's mm. kind of inf- it's infiltrated the way we look at everything. Right. But even church, so basically, consumerism says like you should you should um, choose things that fit you, right? right. Like you should choose the product, the pair of jeans, whatever, the brands that like best match you mm. and you should you should shop around until you find that, until you find the perfect fit for you. Right. And I've seen that mentality kind of uh, infiltrate the way we look at church. Mm. And so you, you have this, you know, even the fact that we like talk about church shopping, yeah. that's like, as like, that's a term we use, which just shows you how much like consumerism infiltrates how we think about it. Like, really we're shopping we're shopping for a church like we shop for a new toothpaste or something right <laughs> um, so i think it's problematic because what that does it, it positions church as something that should meet our needs mm-hmm. something that should 
should kind of make our lives better, something that we should quote, get something out of um, rather than give. And it just, it makes church something that's easily kind of disposed of when it stops meeting our needs. So I I see in Orange County, California, where I live, uh, where I think this problem is maybe especially bad. Like I see like so, (laughs) so many like millennials, especially maybe they'll go to a church that's cool or that, that that kind of fits their checklist. Mm. Well, uh, they'll go there for a year or so, but then, you know, eventually either they get bored with it or like a new trendier church opens down right. the street. And right. so they leave. So there's this real like kind of low threshold of coming yeah. and going and not really committing. Um, and a lot of it is we are addicted to comfort and we're, yeah. we always, we always choose and prefer comfort over discomfort. And so totally. whenever there's a church situation that's the least bit uncomfortable or challenging for us or difficult, um, whether it's like difficult people that you have to mm-hmm. deal with when you go to church or the music style, you know, is sometimes frustrating. Yeah. Um, we find those excuses so easily and, and suddenly they become justifications to leave and, and it's easy to do that because consumerism says that's great. Like there's right. tw- there's 20 other options you could choose from in your city and just right. try another one. Yeah, for sure. So it doesn't even it doesn't even feel like for the for the average person, let's say millennial who's doing this, it doesn't even feel that wrong. Like their conscience isn't right. saying that's wrong because they've just been so encultured with this idea. Ab- absolutely. I think it's so second nature to us that it doesn't strike us as you know abnormal in the least it's just what we do in life we 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 have it's our prerogative to choose things that fit us well and meet our needs and uh, avoid things that that make us uncomfortable totally yeah so uh that's the issue then what do you kind of what do you say in the book that uh will hopefully uh provide a solution to this yeah so essentially i'm arguing in the book that actually the church of jesus christ is uh, unavoidably uncomfortable like this is a faith that's after all built around a guy who died on a cross right. and said you know those who follow me you know pick up your own cross and deny yourself and right. it you know jesus never promised comfort and in fact he said the opposite mm. um you know he said lose your life to gain it things like that right. so I think on one hand, I'm just reminding people that the very heartbeat of Christianity goes against the grain of kind of the idolatry of comfort. It, it, it inverses the logic of consumerism and and, and says that actually like, you know, blessings and, and, and goodness in life comes when we choose discomfort, when we take up our cross, when we kind of choose the path um, of resistance, not least, not the path of least resistance. Yeah. And, um, and also just, if you think about it, like growth in life, whether it's a, a sport or a skill that you want to develop in, like that only happens when you stretch yourself uh, outside of your comfort zone. Right. And, you know, we grow the most when we're uncomfortable and that's true. That's true of an athletic skill or an artistic skill. And it's totally. also true. It's also true of our spiritual formation. So if you truly want to grow in your faith, I think what I'm arguing is like, Choose a church that's going to stretch you a bit, that's going to challenge you, that isn't going to be the perfect fit, um, where the people that you're around are different from you and kind of frustrate you, where the style of music isn't your ideal. Like Mm. all of those things are going to be hard and uncomfortable. um, But 
it'll it'll change your heart posture right. in a really healthy way. Yeah. It'll be it'll become less about you and less about your needs yeah. and more about kind of closer to the heart of what Christianity is. So, sure. no, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell what what I'm s- suggesting in the book. Oh, that's good. And I, I'm sort of throwing this uh, question at you now. Uh, I was just thinking about it as you were talking, but. Uh, you know, if there is, because uh, th- the reality is sometimes we're going to have to go to a new church, um, and that's just a, a reality. Right. Um, For sure. You move somewhere or whatever. Uh, what, I don't know if you say this in your book, but w- w- from your perspective, what things are necessary uh, that a church should have um, that maybe isn't just the music style or the way that the pastor preaches or, or, or what have you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I'm actually working on a kind of free downloadable ebook on this topic that I'll have on my website just because I think it is such a practical mm. question. It like, is, totally. We, we all do have to find a church, a new church at some point or another. So what are the right, the right things to look at mm-hmm. versus the wrong things? And I think I would say like, you know, first of all, like, is Jesus the center of the church? Is like, is the gospel front and center? Mm. Is, um, is this church transforming lives like are are people in the in the community in the church growing like is there demonstrable growth happening right is is there transformation happening in the community Mm. around the church like if 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 there's a city that the church is in and like nothing in the city is changing for the better i would question like i don't know if that's the best church to to choose so i think the mark of a great church is jesus is at the center lives are being transformed there's There's new converts. There's baptisms happening. There isn't just this status quo kind of insular, you know, comfort where people right. just come and come and go, and it's this like country club. Yeah. <laughs> I think you want to look for a church that's like on fire for Jesus, that's outward minded, that's yeah. actually look looking to make a difference yeah. in the world, evangelism, justice, like all these areas. Um, so those would be the things I would focus on, yeah. and less on kind of the, like, what is my own personal laundry list of sure. like, pref- preferences and tastes. Yeah, exactly. So, no, that's, that's yeah. good. All right. So, Brett, I feel like uh, church methods or just the way that churches do things can sometimes be kind of like art. So in that they're, they're sort of talked about subjectively. So, you know, when criticism or judgments come to maybe a pastor or uh, some church leader of that church, or even just a person that's very involved, um, they can just sort of shrug it off with thinking, you know, that's not the way we do it. Or, you know, God is sort of blessing this the way that we're doing it. So right. it's not, a, it can't be a real critique on us and different things like that. So I guess my question is, is there at least an objective skeleton framework of how church should work. So, uh, you know, what do we read about this in the Bible and are there subjective aspects to church methods as well? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. You know, I, uh, first I would say that, yes, like there, there are subjective elements because contextualization is a thing. Like there's, there's a reality that like cultures are different and cities and different contexts are different. And the Bible doesn't speak, you know, in specificity to, you know, how to do church in 21st century Bangkok, Thailand or (laughs) Paris, France. Like, so yeah, there's a degree to which I think there can be variation and creativity and innovation. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think clearly that there is a skeleton uh, framework in the Bible for how church should be. It's called pretty much the New Testament, really. Like, (laughs) okay. I mean, I would say start, you know, start with Acts, really, like the, the very first the history of the church right 
um, I think that's a good place to look to see like, okay, what was, what were the elements of the church, uh, in the very earliest days and what can we glean from, from that? And Paul's letters, his epistles, so many of them are great, um, windows into the priorities and kind of the shape of the church and the, and the friction and the problems that develop. Yeah. So I would say, you know, read Paul's epistles, especially like Ephesians, uh, or like first and second Corinthians, like where some of these like frictions and problems develop and reveal kind of the values, um, of, of what a church should be like and the coming together of very different people. Um, which you see um, a lot in in the New Testament. And it's kind of what I am arguing in the book. Like, if you look at the New Testament church, like, it was not an easy, comfortable thing. Like, it was full of, like, explosive right. problems that were constantly arising. Yeah, totally. In, in large part because of the differences that, you know, were represented in the coming together of Jews and Gentiles and people of different uh, socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet like Paul really like hammers on like unity and um, the, the, the way that the Holy Spirit um, kind of helps uh, facilitate unity and right. the, bu- the building up of the body. And so, well, it's interesting, Brad, maybe you can speak into this, but you know, when you, as you say that, and I, you know, I've read these different things in the New Testament and I've, you know, you, you, you read about Paul, you're, you're right to say that unity is one of his biggest pushes. Like most of his letters, he's saying, you guys need to like be one in faith, be one in this, like be united. Um, and when I read even in Acts, uh, when it talks about just sort of that first gathering of the Christians as well, and I, I look at that, then I look at like, you know, or- I, I don't think Orange County, uh, you know, church structures is any different than like Vancouver church <laughs> structures. So it's about the same all over. Yeah. But really, like when I see them t- too, like, you know, put side by side, I'm like, man, we are, it feels like eons away from what it should be. Um, so encourage, encourage us here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it can feel so far away and it can feel so idealistic, but I think, I think like pragmatism can be such a, um, devastating thing for the church when we, when we take the route of like what's practical and what's doable right, and what's right. pragmatic, when we, when we choose that over the ideal of what we're striving for, like, I don't think that's what Jesus wants. Like, I think he, he gives us these visions. He gives us these hopes because that's what we're striving for and that's right. what we should be struggling for. And, you know, I think oftentimes metaphor is the help, most helpful thing. And mm. there's, great, there's great metaphors in the New Testament for the church. Like one of the ones that I reference a few times in Uncomfortable is Peter's metaphor of, of kind of living stones being built together mm. into, a spir- into a spiritual house. And I, so for me, that has been such a helpful metaphor for what right. church is. It's this house that God is building, that the, the spirit is, is bringing together all of us. All of us are stones right. and we're, and stones are in, you know, we're individual, we're different. Like every stone has its own unique textures right. and, and but we're, we're being fit together yeah. uh, in, in one structure. And so uh, one thing I say in the book is like, it's not about the building fitting around us. It's about us fitting in the gaps. Like yeah. where, where are their holes? If you, if you picture a stone building being constructed, it's about fitting stones where you could wedge them in, you yeah, know, where exactly. there's gaps. And so that metaphor, I think it's helpful in terms of the p- 
putting the focus not on how the church fits me, but how I fit into yeah. this house that God is building. Yeah, that's great. That's really, really good. I think that'll probably also kind of fit into my next little sort of question here. But uh, you wrote something I found really engaging. Uh, it must have been in your fir- your introduction or maybe your first chapter. But you, you, you write that the Western world doesn't need a more muddled, confused, you know, I love Jesus, but not the church. Christianity made up of a million different opinions and to each his own uh, permutations. Rather, it needs a true, unified and eloquent witness to the distinctly alternative vision for life that Jesus offers. And then you say, and this will only come with a renewed commitment to the local church in all of its uncomfortable but life-giving glory. And uh, yeah, I just want you to kind of explain that a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, a wordy quote, but yeah, I think I would <laughs> I would say um, what I'm saying there is that like the tendency of, you know, the spiritual but not religious, I love Jesus, but I don't really like the church mentality, which we're seeing more and more of, I mm. think, in today's world. What that does, when you detach from the organization of the church or the tradition of the church, basically it, it perpetuates this kind of idea of making faith in in my image. Like right. I'm I'm creating something that is more about fitting me and kind of my tastes and preferences and uh, my my personality mm. than I than I am kind of submitting my will and submitting myself to something bigger than me. Yeah. Which which is what the church really is about. And it's it's the gift of the church. It's something far bigger and longer and greater than me. Right. Um so I think the problem is that, you know, this is also kind of like a bigger problem in Protestantism specifically, like Mm. because it's so fragmented and there's this tendency in Protestantism to like just invent a new denomination if I don't like (laughs) my current denomination. So you've created like tens of thousands of different denominations we have as Protestants and we can lose the sense of like, we're all in this together. There's things that we share in common. Um, and yeah. so what happens, what ends up happening, happen, happening is that there's this like supermarket effect where right. because there's so many options, it perpetuates the consumer mentality because there's like 10,000 permutations of Protestant Christianity. Like there's going to be something for everyone. So yeah. if you don't like this iteration of it, like you can go try that one. And if you yeah. don't like that one, why don't you start your own church and take, <laughs> take one element from there and one element yeah. from there and... I just think that we're better off in life when we focus on continuity yeah. rather than ingenuity. Like we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Like, I mean, like I said, we, there is an element of innovation and contextualization sure. that is, that is healthy, but I think we're better off if we focus on like, what are the beliefs and practices that have been believed and practiced throughout the centuries yeah, in, in Christianity. Like start there, start with like, what are the things that have endured, have not changed? Um, you know, look at Martin Luther's seven marks of a church. Like what are the, what are the things that the church fathers, the wise people in our history yeah. have identified as like, here's what comprises a church. That's good. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of history and continuity <laughs> and tradition. And I just think, it's the opposite of the way we think today. Today we think like, how can we refresh Christianity and make it new and totally, you know, yeah. innovative for a new generation? And and I think some of that is okay and valuable. But but man, we're we're always better off if we if, 
we look for the areas of continuity. That's good. That's awesome. Uh, the last question uh, here, Brett. Uh, many listening uh, don't have a formal role in their church. They're not pastors. They're not servers or anything like that. Um, what few things would you recommend they begin thinking about or maybe even acting upon to really start embracing this uncomfortableness, you could say, of just local church community? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I would start by saying, like, come at, try to try to come at your church experience with a posture of service rather than being served. Mm. So, you know, to be a Christian is to follow Jesus. And, and what does scripture say of Jesus? He came to serve, not to be served. Yeah. So I think we need to have that posture with regard to church. Look for the areas of need in the church where you can serve and like plug in. Like don't wait around for the church to come to you and like, you know, be like, oh, you have this talent. Like we're going to build something around you. Right. Like don't don't wait until there's the perfect like niche for you. Right. Like look for the need. Look, mm. wh- where is there a need? Where can I fit myself in? It's the whole like stone, like, I'm a stone. Where can I just fit in the gaps that are that are in the church? And I would also say, like, identify, like, look inside your heart and identify what are the things that make me uncomfortable about this church, and like, don't avoid them. Like, lean into them. Like, look, look, look at them as an asset that can grow mm-hmm. you, that can stretch you. For me, uh, in my current church, and I talk about this a lot in my book. Like, it's a more charismatic church than I am used to, and so. Even little things like raising hands in worship, like right. that was something I never did growing up. And I, yeah. I, you wouldn't be caught dead raising your hands in church in, my, in the, the Baptist churches I grew up in. <laughs> right. And, and so for me, that was like a, a conscious act that I, I just had to come to this point where I was like, you know, I'm just going to lean into this as uncomfortable as it is. And I'm going to start like trying to raise my hands yes. in worship. And, yeah. and, and you know, the funny thing is like... <laughs> Over time, it became a habit, and then it became second nature, and nice. uh, and now I do it willingly. So, Very I think cool. that's what happens. That's what happens when you lean into discomfort. Um, God, the Spirit, like works and re- works through that, mm. and and really grows you. Um, so, yeah, whatever that may be for you. Right. Um, ide- identify it and lean into it. Go for it. That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Brett, for taking time out of your day to chat with me about uh, your new book, Uncomfortable, the Awkward, and Essential Challenge of Christian uh, Community. And if you're listening uh, today and you're interested in uh, Brett's book, you can just go to brettmccracken.com and there he has his books and even his blog, his blog and different things like that if you want to hear more from Brett. But anyways, thank you so much, Brett, and I hope to have you back on the show again soon. Thanks so much, Isaac. That was Brett McCracken. Um, If In Doubt is a ministry that you're behind, in the sense that you love the mission to bring the gospel to the many relevant issues of life and faith that we face every day, cultivating conversation, uh, which is what we strive to really do here at In Doubt, that I encourage you to prayerfully consider making a financial uh, donation. We are fully supported that way. We People believe in our mission and they uh, give us money to keep that going because everything we give out is for free. So just click the donate button at in 
indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Uh, you can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter and email us at info at indoubt.ca with any questions or comments, suggestions, stories, whatever you may like to tell us. And we're always looking for testimonials as well. So if someone has, if you've been impacted by Indoubt or you know someone who has, uh, let us know their story. That would be awesome. Well, I'm Isaac, and next week we talk with popular blogger Tim Challies on a Christian perspective on productivity. Last year, he chatted with us about alcohol, which I encourage you to listen to. It was awesome. Anyways, it's great to have Tim back again for next week. See you then. InDoubt Ministries exist to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indo.ca if you live in Canada and indo.com if you live in the U.S.